Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. This is episode 169. If you want to read the show notes to this podcast, you are welcome to do that. The title of the podcast is My Top 5 Small Group Pranks. This is Christmas Eve 2018, and I was thinking about doing a light-hearted kind of podcast for you, and my family and I were standing in the kitchen, and we were talking about pranks and some of the things that have happened in our uh, Christian experience with our friends, and I thought, well, you know, maybe I can share some of these things with uh, folks because it would give them just another snapshot into our life and maybe our friends, and it may uh, warn you that you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to hang out with any of our friends. But the main reason that I want to share this with you honestly is because one of the observances that I have made in my Christian experience, specifically my counseling experience, is that Christians do not have fun. Now, I want to immediately follow up by saying that my statistics are skewed. I live and work on the underbelly of Christianity. I live in that place, in that dark place of Christianity, where, quite frankly, most Christians don't live. And so when I say that Christians, by and large, do not seem to be happy, they seem to be angry, discontented, miserable, frustrated, just generally unhappy, well, the reason for that is because uh, I, it's what I do for a living. People don't come to me struggling with joy. They don't come to me overwhelmed by happiness. And so I only see people with problems. It's one of the reasons that I tell my students that, you know, if someone came to me and said, I want to be a counselor, and that's what I want to devote my life to, I tell them that 40 hours a week for 40 years is not a good plan. It's not a good idea. You can't counsel 40 hours a week for 40 years. It will wear you out because everybody comes to you. It has some form of darkness and hardship and discouragement that's in their lives. And so I tell my students that you really shouldn't be counseling more than 14 hours a week. And that's just a arbitrary number, but, you know, 10 to 16 hours a week, whatever it may be. But you can't counsel 40 hours a week for 40 years. It is a hard job. But with that said, the people that come to you will generally, for the most part, I would say 98 to 99% of them are going to be unhappy people. And after a while, that wears on you, and it will give you these skewed statistics that I am talking about here. People who are just not happy and it is true. Now, whatever the real statistics are, Christians can be very grumpy. And you only have to spend a little bit of time on Facebook, which I don't do. Uh, but when I have to go out there to share our content or whatever uh, that I'm sharing as far as our ministry is concerned, I see anger all over the place among Christians in Facebook, just unhappy people. One of the things that I've said often, though it's not, I didn't coin this expression, is that Christians should be the loudest people in the restaurant because they are the freest people in the world. Now, though we are serious, and you need to be serious, 
about our call to take up our crosses, we are also full of unspeakable joy as we enjoy God and each other. Because it's true, a merry heart is like a good medicine. Now, Christians should not be characterized as as silly people. There are two ditches here. One ditch is the person who's just silly all the time. I know silly people, and I don't like hanging out with silly people because they're just silly. But I also don't like hanging out with the deep people, the people who are deep all the time, that there is no enjoyment in their life. They just want to go deep. You hear that. I just want to be deep. I just want to talk with deep people. No, you need to relax. Somewhere in the middle is wisdom. You're not characterized as silly, meaning you're silly all the time, and you're not characterized as as deep. Because the truth is, we, we shouldn't be boring. We shouldn't be irrelevant. We shouldn't be fun-less individuals. God has set us free through the power of the gospel, and an element of our freedom is living a hearty life that includes laughter. If you haven't laughed today, assuming it's later in the day, later in the morning, when you're listening to this podcast, there's something wrong. There should be a smile. There should be laughter as a part of your day. And if that's not who you are, there is something that's really wrong. Now, recently, one of my students asked me what small groups are. Now, this podcast that I'm sharing with you is not an exhaustive explanation of what small groups are and and how to conduct them. But I thought as she was asking, what are small groups? I read that in one of your articles. I'm curious as to, to what it is. I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll just give you a slice of small group life, just give you one aspect of it, because it would be hard. Well, in fact, it would be impossible in a podcast to exhaust what small group is. It would be impossible in a book to exhaust what small group life is. If you want to read about small groups, I have written a ton on it. All you'd have to do is just type small group in the search feature of our website, and you'll pull up a lot of articles on small group, and you can read all about it. But this being December the 24th, 2018, and people are kind of off work and relaxed and hopefully enjoying themselves, maybe I'll just do a different kind of podcast. And and so I I want to give you a slice of, of small group life, the small groups that I have led. I've had the privilege to lead several small groups in my church experience. And when I lead a small group, it has always been vital to me that the folks that I lead learn how to have fun for the reasons that I was saying earlier, that many Christians just don't have fun. Uh, A lot of Christians can be so insecure and be so wrapped around the axle, wrapped so tight that they just need to breathe. They just need to relax and laughing and enjoying each other 
as one of my favorite quotes from Terry Linval, that if you've listened to my podcast for any length of time, you've heard me quote him. I don't have that quote before me now, uh, but part of the quote says, uh, giving yourself over to the rocking and rolling of your belly. And the, the number one person in my life that modeled this more than anyone else is my grandmother. And I shared that quote at her funeral because she, she laughed hard. She laughed loud. She laughed deeply. Uh, she did not, she wasn't hung up on her dignity. And she gave herself over to the rocking and rolling of her belly. And part of the reason that she laughs so hard and hearty is because of the deep pain uh, that she carried in her life. I told the story about how uh, she uh, gave birth, uh, premature birth to a baby in a cotton field. The baby was stillborn, and she just buried the baby there in the cotton field and kept on picking cotton. And... Uh, she went through the deep depression and, and many other hardships that uh, you and I can't relate to because of the time in which she lived and the poverty in which she lived. But she knew the Lord and she knew deep hurt. Uh, but she figured this thing out and she, she knew, uh, she enjoyed the freedom that she had in Christ. And that freedom that she had in Christ released her to laugh loud, to laugh hard, and I shared some of these stories when I uh, spoke at her funeral because that is how I remember her. And she modeled laughter. And it is something that a lot of Christians need to really understand and learn how to practice and to become unwound, not so wound tight around the axle, not so insecure that they're so stuck on themselves that they're always looking and patrolling the perimeter to see what people think or how people perceive them, always observing themselves to make sure that they're not out of place or they don't say the wrong thing. Uh, they're overly uh, uh, introspective, and they're in a lot of bondage, and they need to learn how to laugh, meaning at some point we just can't take ourselves so seriously. It's one of the reasons, I mean, we take ourselves so seriously that we can't uh, be transparent. We can't be vulnerable. We can't be open and honest about our lives. And so laughter has always been important in small group life. It is also this perspective that I'm sharing with you. It's how I uh, do my counseling. It's how I have always done my counseling. My counseling sessions are two hours in length. And if you stay deep, if you stay in critical mode where you're just uh, so serious and, and so deep into uh, the heartache and the perplexity of whatever it is that you're going through for two hours, that is not recommended. And for those of you who disciple, those of you who do counseling, I pray to God that you have a sense of humor. Now, if you don't, well, you will need to leave that to the professionals if it's not your strength, uh, that would be unfortunate. But laughter is huge. And you'll see counselors that do this as well. You get together with a group of counselors, like at a, a biblical counseling conference, 
they have great senses of humor, and, and we do laugh loud, and we laugh heartedly. Part, well, the reason for that is what I was describing about my grandmother. When you experience so much pain, so much heartache, and so much darkness, and biblical counselors do, they experience heartache all day long. The freeing power and the release that the gospel gives to you, it frees you to laugh loud. And so you can live in both of those extremes, and both of those spheres of your experience are critical. Being serious and being humorous, they are critical to have a normal life. And so in counseling, well-placed humor is critical for the discouraged soul who needs to see the lighter side of life. You should not stay deep all the time. If you're serious all the time, you're abnormal. You're an abnormal Christian. There's too much in the Bible about joy and laughter and if you're serious all the time that you can't give yourself over to the rocking and rolling of your belly, then you do have a problem. It is critical that you come up for air because it will it'll not only strain you and harm you physically, it harms you spiritually, but it will harm you physically as well if you do not have joy. Now, again, I'm not talking about being silly. There's a difference between being characterized as a silly person. It's like, well, there's Biff. Biff is always silly. I know what I'm going to get when I hang out with Biff. It's going to be joke after joke after joke after joke, and he's just never, ever serious. Well, I don't want to hang out with Biff. I have no desire to be with Biff because he's silly. But then you take that other extreme, the person who is always dead serious. It's like, dude, come up for air at appropriate times. And in small group, that is critical. Because what you're trying to accomplish in small group is that you want people to open up. You want people to talk about uh, the serious things that are in their lives, the disappointing things. But imagine if you went to a small group and Everybody sat around the room like Eeyore, living under a cloud. Everything's just gray and dark and serious and disappointing. There's a place for that. In fact, you need to have an element of that in your small group because you want to get into the nooks and crannies of a person's sanctification. And so it's, it's vital that we are talking about our problems, but we have to come up for air so that we can catch our collective breaths and relax a bit before we take another deep dive into the practical realities of the gospel. Thus, laughter is an excellent medicine that brings balance to the Christian life. I remember when I first came to Greenville, South Carolina in 1986, which is where I live now, been here ever since, I was taking the place of a senior at our Bible college. I was coming in as a freshman, and he was a senior. I was taking his place at work. Uh, he was finishing up in May, and he was going to go back to his home. And so I was going to take his job because I worked full-time as I went to school full-time. And, and so I was going to replace him on his job as I was getting ready to start my freshman year. And I remember uh, him telling me, he said, well, Jesus never laughed. And I thought, well, I mean, 
yeah, I, I suppose it doesn't say that explicitly in the Bible that Jesus Jesus laughed. And he was just a serious, deeply serious person. And after a while, it just wore thin. It's like, dude, you need to relax. You need to have a little bit of fun. Now, fortunately, I only worked with him for about a month, and he graduated and went back to his his home. I'm not sure how well we would have gotten along because I enjoy laughing. I enjoy a sense of humor. I enjoy a good joke. I enjoy having a lot of fun. If you hang out in our home for any length of time, you will realize that quickly. We are a happy home. We are a laughing home. We we love joking and, and goofing off, and we truly love enjoying each other. Uh, but you'll also know that we're dead serious about the gospel. And those two ideas are not antagonistic to each other. In fact, they supplement each other. And the more humor and laughter and uh, levity and joy that you can bring into your life, it, it will make the depths and the riches of Christ even richer and uh, more important and, and more invigorating. Uh, if you're just serious all the time, you're really going to be missing out because it's the laughter that allows you to relax and to uh, go down deep again. So with all of these things in mind, well, there's an aspect of small group life where our small groups historically would would do pranks on each other. And so I want to share with you, and again, this is episode 169, my top five small group pranks, things that have happened in our small group, the small groups that I have led. But I want to give you a, a big warning here that this ministry and me specifically are not responsible for anything that you take from this podcast and attempt to incorporate in your small groups or any other context. We are not responsible. Now, the second warning is like an unto it. It is this. We do not recommend that you try these things at home, in your small group, or in any other context. And so that is my warning. I'm just going to share with you some of the things that have happened uh, under my leadership. I will say it this way. I've never done any of these pranks. I'm not much of a prankster. Uh, honestly, I don't do pranks. I don't, that, that, that's just not who I am. But uh, as we try to envision our small group to relax and have fun and enjoy each other, there are some folks, as I said earlier, leave humor to the professionals. Well, there are some who are more professional when it comes to pranks. And that's part of the reason I don't want you to replicate what I'm going to share with you in this podcast. It may not be your thing. Now, joy has to be your thing. Laughter has to be your thing. You need to be free, but it doesn't mean that you need to replicate what you are about to hear. I don't do pranks, but uh, these are some of the things that have happened in the small groups in which I have led. And so again, episode 169, my top five small group pranks. Number five, I call the simple prank. I'll give you several several illustrations of this. These are just simple little pranks that have happened. Again, warning, do not do these at home or any other context. And we're not responsible for any outcomes that you may extrapolate and implement into your own life and relationships. But one of them, a simple prank, number five, 
is switching out sports plates on the front of a member's car. You know, some folks are into sports and they have their favorite team, their plate, like a license plate on the front of their car. And so during small group, for example, one member likes the Duke Blue Devils from Durham, North Carolina, and another member likes the North Carolina Tar Heels from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. They're about 30 miles apart. And so the small group member goes out and uh, he takes off the Duke plate and puts on a North North Carolina Tar Heel plate. And then, of course, this avid sports fan is riding around town with a Carolina UNC North Carolina Tar Heel sports plate. That's a simple prank. Another one, and the one that our kids really enjoyed (laughs) when they were little, they don't do this anymore, by the way, uh, but they liked placing a whoopee cushion under someone's seat before the small group member would show up, and then the small group member would sit down, and the whoopee cushion would go off, and everybody would laugh, and the kids would would have a great time. And one of the aspects of this, uh, our small groups have always been integrated in the sense that our children and the adults all played together, so to speak. Uh, It was important to us that our children were always interacting with the adults. Our parenting model has been that children are going to be children for a very short period of time. They're going to be adults virtually all of their lives. We did not want to in, introduce them to adults when when they were 15 years old or 21 years old. We introduced them to adults from birth. And so our children have always hung out with adults, and our children have always been quite social and, and comfortable in their own skin interacting with adults. If you were to walk up to them and talk to them, they'd be very comfortable talking with you. But they've been doing that from birth. And so part of small group life and having fun, like what I'm talking about here, and the kids, the young toddlers and younger children participating in these simple pranks here, that kind of integration was excellent for our children to Uh, laugh with the adults, and the adults play with them, and they have just always have grown up and hanging out with adults. We had to be intentional about that. We've never been intentional about uh, our children hanging out with their peer group. They do that naturally. We don't have to be intentional. They just naturally gravitate to their own. But we had to be intentional about putting them with adults, and that was important. And so they hung out with every demographic, their own, their colleagues, those that that were their own ages, but then also adults. And that has really helped them now that they are uh, at the ages they are now. They're very much, uh, they get along with adults very well, and they interact with adults very well. But part of that. Uh, was just joking around that we did in small group. Now, please understand, this is not all that we did. Another prank that we did uh, that some of our small group members did is I walked out in my garage one uh, year, and I found like a 100 or so, maybe 200 bullet holes all over my van. What I'm talking about is uh, bullet hole stickers. Uh, You can go to these dollar stores and you can get a pack of stickers that look like bullet holes and you can put it on someone's car and it looked like somebody shot a hole in the car. My children went out and they came back in. It's like, Dad, Dad, you got 
You got all these bullet holes all over the van. One of our members, who's a professional uh, when it comes to pranks, he he did that. He put a bunch of bullet holes. And in fact, we took them all off, but one. We left one uh, over on the van uh, as a reminder of what he did, a reminder of him, and and we would see it and and we'd think about him often, but. Uh, it was quite funny that night that he put a hundred plus bullet holes on our van. So these are simple pranks. Uh, we had the annoying prank. Uh, this this was annoying to me. I really didn't appreciate it. Uh, but I came home uh, one evening and our car was wrapped in saran wrap, uh, top to bottom, bumper to bumper, wrapped in saran wrap. There was nothing about our car. Uh, uh, there was no part of our car that was not. Uh, under saran wrap and then to top it off they took vaseline and put it under the door handles i call this the annoying prank because it was quite annoying or you could say it another way it was an opportunity for me to work on my sanctification and so that was that was an illustration of annoying prank and then number three uh, working from five to one uh, the breaking and entering prank I came. We came home one evening and uh, found that our youth group had uh, broken into our home and were hiding throughout the house. We walked in. They jumped up, jumped out, and yelled at us and scared us to death and that kind of thing. We had a window that had a broken latch on it, which motivated me to fix that latch. Uh, the repercussions of that, uh, two things. One, my children, uh, they... Uh, they asked me uh, several weeks, for, for several weeks, they said, hey, Dad, uh, when are we going to go break in somebody's house and scare them when they come home? And I had to explain to them that, you know, well, this is not what Christians do. We don't break into people's homes. And so I had to walk them through that. But what they did do, uh, probably for about two years after that, they would hide in our house. When someone would drive up into drive, they'd see them drive up. And then they would hide around the front door, and then they would jump out and try to scare the hoodah out of, out of whoever was walking through the door. So that was the breaking and entering prank. And then we had the methodical prank. I can't get into all the details of this one, but it was one of the more stellar pranks that kind of went sideways uh, when a member took some car keys and and then kept them and then started turning on the care group members or small group members car and and then there was a video involved there was a christmas party involved and then there was a reaction involved to where uh, the small group member who lost the keys and and was part of the video uh, what she did in retaliation is she took some zip ties these jumbo zip ties and she tied them around the drive shaft of the perpetrator's truck so when he left the next morning to go to his work his professional job meaning he was wearing a coat and tie uh, his his truck sounded like this as those zip ties were around his drive shaft and so he had to crawl up under uh, the truck and, and realize that he had been had. Of course, he did it to himself because he took the lady's car keys. And everything worked out nicely, but it was a well-played prank. 
That is the methodical prank. Uh, it actually took about three months for all of that to come together. A uh, lot to respect there when you uh, can work a prank for that long. And then, of course, number five was the misguided prank. And this is when there may or may not have been a group of men in the small group who may or may not have painted, spray painted some sheep. And I will just leave that at that. Uh, but as we get together and as we interact with each other uh, years later, uh, there's a lot of laughter. In fact, uh, it's always a source of laughter as we enjoy those moments that we had together. Uh, pranks that we did, I'm sure that you have your own. Again, uh, let me leave you with my warning here. This ministry is not responsible for anything that you take from this podcast and attempt to incorporate in your small groups or in any other context. And warning number two, we do not recommend that you try these things at home or anywhere else. I hope that's clear. But the most important thing to me, and this is how I really want to close, I do live on the underbelly of Christianity. I interact with Christians all the time who are struggling. They are just struggling. And laughter is not the total solution. It's not the total answer, but it is part of it. And we need to get to that place where we truly enjoy the freedom that we have in Christ. Christians should be the loudest people in the restaurant because we're the freest people in the world. And though we are serious about our call to take up our cross, we're also full of unspeakable joy as we enjoy God and each other. No, we're not silly, silly people all the time, but we don't want to be so profoundly deep all the time that we miss out on a piece of, of our humanness that God wants us to enjoy and truly laughter, giving yourself over to the rocking and rolling of your belly as appropriate is very important. If you struggle with joy, if you lost your joy, if you'd like to talk, please come to our ministry. Let us serve you. It would be our joy to do so. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.